Welcome to the reason that the uh, Anchored in Hope podcast. I'm talking about the reason for our hope, but it's uh, part of the reason for our hope founded by the uh, Reason for Our Hope Foundation. So you're here with me on uh, November the 10th, Thursday, and I am coming to you from Bangor, Maine, Bangor, Maine, B-A-N-G-O-R, Maine. It's St. Uh, Paul the Apostle Parish, which is six different churches all come together. And I am in the middle of a parish mission, and it's been going fantastic. Tonight's the last night of the mission, so if you're up in the area, come. It's from 6.30 to 8.30. Tonight is adoration and healing. A lot of healing happened last night. Did the passion talk, and then after the... um, Passion talk, I heard confessions for two and a half hours and fantastic confessions. Many, 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 many people hadn't been to confession in over 40 years. So it was a a great, great blessing last night. And so tonight we anoint people with St. Joseph's oil and we uh, do everything in front of the most blessed sacrament. So um, and then I fly out here early at 5.24 in the morning, and I'm going to be taking uh, an American flight, which I never do. I'm always on Delta, so this will be my first time on American, uh, to Philadelphia, and then I'm going to be doing a a men's conference on Saturday in Philadelphia. Um, So if you're in that area, Philadelphia area, the men, we have the conference in Philadelphia on Saturday. I'm the first speaker in the morning um, at, uh, let me tell you in a second here, we are going to be at uh, Haddonsfield, New Jersey, and it's going to be at the Paul the Sixth High School Conference Center on Hopkins Road in Haddonsfield, uh, Haddonsfield, H-A-D-D-O-N-F-I-E-L-D, New Jersey, which is just 13 miles southeast of the Philadelphia airport. So if you're in the area, uh, come on down. I'll be speaking first because I have to get back um, to my parish uh, Saturday night and uh, they have the masses on Sunday. So uh, what do you think we need to do? Yeah, well, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Father, thank you for your love and for your presence in our lives. We ask you to embrace us, to love us, and to give us your peace, that we may know your will, we may live your will, and you may protect us, that we would do your will. We beg you these things, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Mary, Mother of Jesus, pray for us. Good Saint Joseph, pray for us. And Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Okay, so the new uh, thing is, is we're going to sit there and talk about uh, something for a half hour, and then, uh, and today I want to talk about the sacraments and start uh, dwelling into the sacraments, and then we'll have questions. So you can put the questions you have on the side. They can be anything for the second half, or they can be talking about the sacrament now. Uh, if you have any questions about what I'm talking about. Again, it's just a, a fast overview of everything. And sacraments, especially for Catholics, are important realities. It's the way that we encounter the living God in a physical way. Huh? So as we talk about a sacrament, remember the old definition of a sacrament, and it still is 
A sacrament is an outward sign instituted by Christ that gives grace. So an outward sign is something you can touch, you can feel, you can experience, you can dive into. It's a physical reality. Um, and we'll go into that, why we need physical reality. So it's an outward sign, an experience. Uh, remember, as St. John said, it's something we could touch and feel. And anyway, that was Christ. But Christ continues in the sacraments. So the first thing is it's an outward sign instituted by Christ, meaning it's in the Bible somewhere. Christ installed it, uh, gave it to us and encouraged us to do it so we would encounter him. And it gives us grace. And grace is the life of God and how we participate in the life of God. And, um, oh gosh, the sacraments are so wonderful if we truly encounter the Lord. So I want to make sure that we deal with this and then we'll talk about what's necessary for the sacrament to work, as I've talked about before. So let's talk about uh, a sacrament as an outward sign. So the outward sign, sorry, the outward sign for uh, baptism is pretty easy. It's uh you know, water. You're like, oh, that's what it is. It's a, it's something you can touch, you can feel, you can experience. And again, I'm going to John's uh, letter here. And um, if we go Timothy, Timothy, Titus, Hebrews, uh, John. And when we deal with John, and again, we talked about John before, how um, this is written much later like 90 to 100 AD. And uh, so here's John talking to the community about Jesus and about the sacrament, if you will. And this is in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 and following. This is what we proclaim to you. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked upon and our hands have touched. We speak of the word of life. So a sacrament has to be something we can see, we can touch, we can experience. The way when Jesus became man, he was the, the again, the teaching of the church is Jesus did not exist as Jesus before the incarnation. The word of God existed with the father, you know, the word have always existed, pre-existed, always existed from the beginning. The word is God. When the word became flesh, when the word took on flesh, we call that union of God and man, Jesus, right? He becomes a man. He makes physical what is spiritual. And so the same with the sacraments, because Christ is the supreme sacrament, if you will. And the way we participate in Christ and with Christ is through the sacrament. And it's something that we can touch and feel just as Jesus was. And so again, with all the various things, so baptism, the, the outward sign is water. Uh, confirmation, it's the oil, the anointing of oil, and the uh, laying on of hands. With it comes to confession, it's the laying on of hands. Now, all this, of course, also goes with the words, right? So it's not just... Uh, water being poured over somebody, it's, but it's water with the words, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So the physical reality, 
and the words of prayer bring forth the sacrament. You know, marriage is the vows that, uh, you know, marriage is not a sacrament that the priest gives to a couple. They bring the sacrament to each other. A priest is the official witness of it. But what happens and uh, like the outward sign of the sacrament of marriage is the vows, but it's also what? Consummation. Huh? So you're not really married until you consummate the marriage. And you all know what that means, right? I'm not going to go into deep uh, thing with that. So uh, it's an outward sign instituted by Christ. So marriage and so the, the reality of where uh, the outward sign is, is consummation and the vows. Um, baptism, confirmation, oil and water, penance, laying on of hands, and the words of absolution, uh, marriage, uh, consummation, and uh, the vows. Uh, ordination is the laying on of hands, the anointing of oil. Again, again, with the words of uh, consecration, uh, the Eucharist, of course, is very, very clear. Uh, the bread become the body blood. You can touch him, eat him, become one with our Lord and our God in the Eucharist. My flesh is real food. My blood is real drink. And we'll deal with all these things um, individually later. But now I'm just giving you the overview of the sacrament. Uh, and so there's the Eucharist and then there's the, um, uh, it used to be extreme unction, but the anointing of the sick. The anointing of the sick, again, comes from James. Is there any sick among you? Let them send for the priests of the church. Let them lay hands on them and anoint them with oil, and they will be made well. So for some of you right now, you might be thinking, it's kind of boring, Father. It's the last thing this is is boring. It's an encounter with the living God. Huh? And so... That's the, the outward sign. It's something we can touch experience because we are human beings. Huh? Like, for instance, if someone came to confession and they've been uh, saying something for years and praying and hoping that they have been forgiven, say they had an abortion or whatever, and they say, oh, I keep praying for forgiveness. Well, when they go to confession, they know they're forgiven. They hear it. It becomes real. The spiritual reality becomes a physical reality and the two become one. So it's an encounter with the living God, encounter with mercy. When a person is ordained or when a person is um, baptized, there's an ontological change. Their being changes. Huh? Uh, their actual being changes. So these are all things, if we really believe them, they're not just rituals. And again, too many, it just becomes a ritual. One of the most famous, I think, of that is you ever watched The Godfather? And as his uh, child is being baptized, he's having people killed. Huh? And people do this all the time, not having people killed, but have go through a sacrament and living lives and are not open to the sacrament at all. Because again, what's necessary for this, as I've said a million times, what is necessary for the sacrament to really take hold in someone's life? Faith. It isn't magic. Just because, you know, like if you sit there and you're a grandparent, you're going to baptize your baby, uh, your grandparent, uh, your grandchildren. It doesn't count. It just doesn't work without the faith. And so the faith comes from the family. And if the family has no faith, I mean, it's not magic. None of the sacraments are magic. Uh, I don't think they work today the way they should because people don't have faith. 
It's just a ritual. Again, how many times I've talked about that kids go and get confirmed. Do you see any difference between a kid before they're confirmed or after they're confirmed? No. Why? Because they don't have faith. And so sometimes, you know, the theology has developed. Well, hopefully one day they'll accept that in faith. Well, hopefully. But a lot of times not. That's why in our diocese, against my better judgment, they didn't ask me. Uh, we moved confirmation up to earlier some places. Again, because it's like, well, they need the sacrament. They need the sacrament if they have faith. And again, we give all these things to people that don't have faith and we wonder why the church is struggling. The church is struggling because the people of the church do not have the faith that's necessary. First of all, to live as a beloved son or daughter of the Father, to truly be a disciple of Jesus Christ, because they just go through the motions. You know, and again, one of the greatest ways you can sue that is you can see it every Sunday in almost every parish, except for mine, because I would kill people, that when people go and receive communion, they walk right out the door. Are you kidding me? Are you just kidding me? Is there faith there? There's nothing. They want their vitamin pills so they can go and get to the get to breakfast before everybody else and get out of the parking lot. Again, this is what we deal with. And people sit there and say, oh, look, at I'm a good Catholic. You're not a good Catholic if you're leaving mass before the final blessing. Who doesn't need a blessing? Oh, I don't need a blessing, Father. I got Jesus. You got Jesus if you have faith. And if you have faith, you'll stay with Jesus. You're not going to just walk out because you got your vitamin pill or you don't, don't feel worthy. So you just go to Mass and you leave at communion. This is what we deal with in the church throughout America and throughout the world. I'm not just, but my experience is America. They do these things and they wonder why they're still afraid or wonder why. They're still addicted and still in slavery to sin. The reason is because of the lack of faith. So again, when we truly experience the sacrament, we have an encounter with Jesus Christ. We got to believe it. Again, uh, you can even be a priest of Jesus Christ and go through the motions of saying the mass. It'll work. The church supplies but it won't bring the fruit of the mass to the priest and it won't truly bring the fruit of the mass to the people. You know, we need to sit there and instill faith in everybody and all these things, these physical realities are so people can see and so people can encounter, but they need to have faith to have a true encounter. Right. And so it's an outward sign. Instituted by Christ means it's in the Bible. And I won't go through all these with you. But again, we got, well, where's baptism in the Bible, Father? Go in the end of Matthew's gospel. It says, go and baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and following. Go and make disciples of all nations. Now, again, isn't that interesting? He says, make disciples of all nations and baptize them. What's necessary is discipleship, and discipleship um, is one who believes. So again, you have to have faith to make the sacrament work. So an outward sign given, uh, instituted by Christ that gives grace. So it's instituted there. When it comes to penance, you know, it comes from go uh, after John and John's gospel. And uh, here it's right after the resurrection. And after the resurrection, Jesus breathes on them. And this is uh, John chapter 20, verses 22 and 23. 
Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now get this. If you forgive men's sins, they are forgiven them. If you hold them bound, they are held bound. So he gives the power to forgive sins to the priests, to the bishops. And so it's a great power to be an instrument of God. And so it's why, again, the faith has to be, the, the priest has to be a man of faith, must be a man of prayer. Um, so they, people can have an encounter with the living God. And even like last night, I heard confessions for two and a half hours, fantastic confessions. But after giving my two-hour passion talk and then hearing confessions, I was starting to like uh, pop, uh, just collapse towards the last uh, of the time. My faith was there, but I was tired. Now God uh, takes that and can do bring great fruit out of it. But it got to still, you got to have faith that these people encountered Jesus last night, not me. And they were set free from their slavery. What a great gift. So uh, receive the Holy Spirit. Those who sinned, you forgive. They are forgiven. When it comes to the Eucharist, again, uh, the Gospels say, take this and do this in memory of me. So Jesus explicitly says, do this. Um when it comes to confirmation, they laid hands on people in the Acts of the Apostles. And of course, in the Acts, when the Holy Spirit comes down upon them, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. But again and again, the early church would lay hands and give the Holy Spirit in that way. When it comes to the wedding feast of Cana, we see the how God wants to be present at marriage. And it's the one sacrament that wasn't destroyed by the fall. God uh, instituted at the beginning and he kept it and he continues to keep it. The two shall become one flesh. Huh? And that's what happens in consummation. But again, it's the vow of giving up your life. But think about how many people, even when they get married, I've done lots of weddings. How many people are really giving themselves to death? You know, two people die and then God resurrects them into one flesh. It's a life for a life and becomes a new life. It's not 50-50. But again, so it's there in the scriptures, how that works. Again, when it comes to ordination, when Jesus says, do this in memory of me, again, he institutes it. He begins it there. When it comes to laying on the sick, again, in James' letter, it says, let me give you the exact place in place you're wondering, because often people sit there and think that when the priest is coming, uh, that means they're going to die. I always sit there and say, it's the exact opposite. I'm here to help you. Even though, like I've said a million times, the greatest uh, the greatest healing is death. And everybody says, I don't want that one, Father. I know, I know. But it says here in chapter James' letter, chapter 5, verse 13, if anyone is suffering a hardship, he must pray. If a person in good spirits, you should sing a hymn of praise. And then it goes on here. Declare your sins one another, but that's not the one I'm looking for. It happens. I get, uh, where is the verse here? I know you don't have to sit there and, is there any? Yeah, anyone, if there's anyone sick among you, verse 14, he should ask for the presbyters of the church, the priests, the elders of the church. And they in turn are to pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. This prayer utter in faith will reclaim the one who is ill and the Lord will restore him to health. And if they have committed any sins, forgiveness will be theirs. So again, where is it at in the scripture? There it is. 
the grace each one has a different grace, right? Uh, baptism gives us new life and forgiveness of sins. Uh, forgive. We get the grace of forgiveness when we get the sacrament of penance. We get to receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ when we receive the Eucharist. Uh, to become one flesh when a person is uh, married, when a person is ordained, they become uh, an ontological uh, change and become as Christ. Like when a priest says mass, he doesn't say uh, this is his body. He said, this is my body. Why? Because he becomes so configured with Christ at mass that the priest at mass becomes Christ at that moment. And so it's Christ in the priest uh, saying, this is my body. And we get to receive a true body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. When it comes to the anointing of the sick, it's the healing, uh, healing comes. Now, sometimes the anointing is of the sick is given as extreme unction or um, the last rites as we have called them throughout the years to get someone uh, ready or viaticum to be with on the road to get them ready to go to heaven. And so that they have peace, that they have forgiveness, that they have the plenary indulgence in the moment of death so that they can live forever with God. So, all these things that the Lord has given us to help us to know that we're not alone, to help us to know that he still wants to touch us physically because we're human beings, that we need to be transformed by our living God. And when you come to know the realities of what the sacraments truly are, we can be transformed, we can be healed, we can be forgiven, we can be given new life. Everything can change. But again, we just can't look at these things as rituals we go through. You know, in my experience, people never go to church. And this is an overgeneralization. A lot of people are very faithful going to church all the time. But a lot of people, they don't go to church until their kids need a sacrament. Then they all go to church so the kid can get their first communion and their, their penance. And so the kid can get confirmed. Less and less people are doing this now. But again, it's just like, well, this is part of the ritual. People never go to church, go and have their kids baptized. Don't go to church um, because it's just, well, this is what we do. We need to make sure that we are making disciples of people so that the sacraments are given to disciples. You know, God can still do so much more. Like when I was baptized, my uh, my father wasn't Catholic and he didn't understand sacraments at all. My mother was a Catholic, but not a practicing Catholic. But what they got, why it was so important, was that they got my grandparents to be my godmother and my godfather. My grandfather was my godfather. My grandmother was my godmother. And they were very faithful Catholics and they took their responsibility very seriously. So my grandmother and grandfather would come every week and take me to church because my family didn't go to church, but they made sure I went. And because of that, and because of their prayers, faith took hold in my life. That's why I'm a priest. It's the fruit of my grandparents' faith that became my faith. But it really wasn't so much the fruit of my parents' faith. Now, my grandmother could not have baptized me. A priest baptized me. Now, anyone can baptize, of course, you know, uh, even an atheist can baptize if they're doing it with the, uh, 
what the church teaches, you know, like if someone you're dying and you're not baptized and you ask someone over there, can you baptize me? If you can't baptize yourself, but the person can say, I baptize you, uh, John, I baptize you, Larry, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. The sacrament works. If the person who's getting it has faith and the person that's giving it has the intention of what the church wants. It's always something that can happen. And so again, but we have this encounter with the living God. And I know in my life that to have that encounter, like tonight, today, I got to have mass and I had mass privately and I had it for a friend of mine who lost his father. And um, again, after losing my parents, it's a hard thing to lose your family. And so whenever we come to mass, we have that union not just with Jesus, but with everyone who's in Jesus, everyone on earth that's with Jesus, everyone in uh, purgatory that's uh, in Jesus and everybody in heaven that's with Jesus. So when our brothers and sisters die, if they're in the grace of God when they die, we're always one body. And so it always gives me great comfort when I have mass. So I can be there with Jesus, become one with him, but become one with my mother, become one with my father, become one with my sister, become one with my grandmother who gave me the faith, my grandmothers, my grandfathers, that we're all one. What a gift to when I go and I need, you know, mercy, I go to confession just like all of you. And how much I need mercy, how much I need the grace of God to give me a new beginning and to wipe away my sins. Uh, who doesn't need that? Again, last night for people who hadn't been to confession in 40 years or 50 years or 60 years, most of them were at least over uh, 25. But again, last night, I usually say 35 years is average. Last night we had more 40. It was more almost like a 40-year average. I don't know exactly, but... Um, but for them to be able to experience the mercy of God. What a great gift to be when you're in the hospital and they have the priest come and anoint you so you can get better. And to know that promise that if they're sick among you and the priests come and lay hands, that you will be made well. So I always tell people as I am uh, anointing them, I says, you better get well or you're going to make me look bad understand and everybody laughs i try to make it a hope-filled moment no matter what again one of my parishioners died a couple weeks ago great woman 58 she died of covid and um i just said i can't believe you're going to see jesus before me think about it she gets to see jesus now I gave her everything I could give her, and Jesus gave her more. But all the sacraments are ways that Jesus proves to us that we're not alone. That he's still with us. He still wants to be intimate with us. Again, one of the greatest sacraments, I think, and I'll have a whole thing on adoration one day, uh, a talk on it but how Jesus becomes physically present and is in the tabernacle or in the monstrance to help us to know 
that he's always there. Of course, he's always there spiritually. Of course, he is. But we humans need physical representation of the reality. And so God knew that. And he promised, I am with you always. And he gave us himself in the Eucharist. Again, the sacrament is an encounter with the living Jesus Christ. What a great gift if we believe. Okay, so I'm going to be talking about different uh, things next week. Uh, and this is an aside. Uh, I'm going to be on vacation for a few days. <laughs> Excuse me. And so I will not be doing uh, uh, this uh podcast next Thursday, but we will be doing it the, the following Thursday, or maybe not the following Thursday, I think is Thanksgiving. So maybe we won't let me look because you're not going to, I'm not going to want to do it on Thanksgiving because I'm going to be with my stepfather and my brother. And so um, that will be next week, 17th. Yep. The 24th. So we won't have it for the next two weeks just to give you a, a uh, heads up on that. So, uh, thanks. And now we're going to go to the questions and everything here. And if there's anything on the sacraments, you can ask those questions on the side, on the comment side, those of you who are live. Again, if you watch us later, you can always send uh, questions into the Reason for Our Hope and just put podcasts there. Excuse me. And they will give them to me. Hello from Fort Worth. I love St. Fort. I love Fort Worth. Uh, keep saying Anne uh, in uh, in your prayers. Absolutely. Good evening, Father and all. New Jersey. It's in New Jersey. I know it's in New Jersey, uh, but it's in Philadelphia. I'm going to be in, but I got it. Good day, Father Larry. Good to see you again, Margaret. Hi, Margaret. What is the proper action when a deacon incense the people? A bow or a sign of the cross? A bow is what he's supposed to do, and we bow back to him uh, traditionally. To receive the anointing of the sick, do you have to be in danger of death or can it be used for a chronic health condition like epilepsy? It can be used for a chronic health condition like epilepsy. Um, it's a fantastic reality, again, to be healed from that. And again, sometimes God heals miraculously. Like tonight, I tell the people, look for miracles because I'm going to anoint. It's not going to be the anointing of the sick. We're going to anoint people at St. Joseph's Oil from Montreal, Canada. But great healings can take place. Huh? So it gives an amazing that our God wants to heal us. Um, but again, that our, our, our healing is forever. You know, think about all the people that Jesus Christ healed. They all got sick again and they all died. Poor Lazarus, he rose him from the dead. Praise God. But then he had to die again. So he had to go through that experience twice, you know. So there's always both sides of everything. But the, the greatest healing is the eternal healing of eternal life. Okay. Hi, Father Larry. My husband and I are in RCIA at St. John's. And oh, nice. Bangor and have attended every night. Thank you so much for your time in a parish. Good. I'm glad you've enjoyed it. I've I very much enjoyed being here. And I, hopefully tonight... Uh, uh, it'll be another great night. I'm usually running to the airport, uh, getting a hotel, but this is literally 10 minutes from the airport. Um, but again, even though I fly out at 524 in the morning, I was just online and it says that uh, American Airlines uh, 
thing doesn't open up till uh, 5 a.m. I hope that's not true because uh, I have luggage in that booth, so I'm sure they'll fix that up, but I'll be there. It says the airport doesn't open till 4 a.m., but I will be there at 4 a.m. I'm one of those people that uh, get there early, you know, uh, always, always early, just because. Peace. There you go. Thanks, Jellyfish. My new pastor does anointing sick at mass every first Friday of the month. Now you could do that. Um, and that's a great uh, thing. Haven't seen you on for a long time. If you made it, have it uh, I know I got, uh, I couldn't make the Camino because of course I had my uh, gallbladder out. And so uh, I still have the scars. <laughs> you don't want to see them. But anyway, I got my gallbladder out. So and I got them out four days before I was supposed to go to the Camino. I'm still waiting to get my money back. Uh, they haven't uh, processed anything yet, but uh, hopefully I will get there. Um, yeah, but not now. Okay. Uh, da, 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 da. Kim, hi, Kim. Being an RCIA, again, sorry. Can we have medals blessed and wear them to help us conceive? You betcha. You should have a miraculous medal. I always bring miraculous medals with me, except this time I sat there and I looked in my, I brought my other suitcase. And then, because I, I, I usually give miraculous medals uh, uh, out when I'm at a hotel. And so when I was at the hotel the other day before I got the, the plane to come here, I, I forgot the miraculous medal. So get a miraculous medal. I'll bless it if you have it tonight, but you can wear it. Anybody can wear a miraculous medal. Again, uh, Our Lady can do such great, great things. And uh, yes, I'm going to be available after the, the sign books and bless things after the mission tonight. Uh, so if you have them, bring them to me. And again, when it comes to Miraculous Metal, I had a, a couple that said, oh, we can't ever conceive. And I said, stop it. And I gave her a Miraculous Metal and she had two children, uh, three children adopted too, because the doctor says, you'll never be able to have children. Oh, shut up. God can do great things. And Our Lady uh, is a great intercessor and a great miracle worker. That's why it's called a Miraculous Metal. So, uh, yes. Um. Now, I know you don't need a long time to get to the Bangor Airport. I just have to be open. <laughs> so, Father, how do you tell a teenager going through a tough patch that said to me, you tell me to pray and it's not working? Broke my heart. I can imagine. A teenager who's just praying for something, uh, sometimes it doesn't work. I'll never forget years ago when my stepfather died, my mother's husband of cancer. And we're watching something and he was dying of cancer and he, uh, I forget what he used to call me. Uh, he had a name for me. He didn't call me Larry. Uh, but anyway, he sat there and he says, Hector, I, I, don't, I can't remember. Anyway, he'd say, I'm praying and it ain't working because he was praying for healing and God was going to give him eternal healing. And so the biggest thing about prayer is to conform our will to God's. And what happens in prayer is I encourage you, uh, have him listen and download. If he's a teenager, he has a phone and have him download the Our Hope uh, TV thing. And when you go to the Our Hope TV uh, app, and it's also online, but I encourage you, everybody, everybody should have this 
Uh, if you don't have it yet, I encourage you to get it. And again, with this Our Hope TV app, what you can do is you just go and it says search and you put in here prayer. And then it'll bring up the uh, my prayer CD somewhere in here. Now the Trinity, da, 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 how to pray, prayer, how to, prayer. It's the second thing on there. And so can you see there? And again, on prayer, it'll sit there and it'll give you and walk through step-by-step step how to pray. He doesn't have to watch it or she doesn't have to watch it. She can listen to it. And what it'll do is it'll actually take them through, I'm sorry, I surrender, hold me. And in prayer is where we come to know that we're not alone. And the teenager needs to know more than anything else. God isn't just one who uh, gives us everything we want. In fact, sometimes he says no. But he is one that always holds us. For us to be alive, God gives us mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation. When we breathe out, God breathes in. When we breathe in, God breathes out. That's how he gave us life in the beginning. There's never a moment where God isn't holding us and loving us and saying, you are my beloved son or you're my beloved daughter. And more than anything, that's what he or she needs to know. God is not the divine rabbit's foot. God is one who is with us. And so I encourage you, have them watch that or listen to that and let them uh, walk through. Again, every, everything is free. It's our Hope TV. Just go to your Google phone or your Google, wherever you get your apps on iPhone and just type it in. It's 100% free and uh, it'll help you uh, but all kinds of stuff, more and more things are being added all the time. So hopefully that helps and that will help him or her. Okay, Paula, is it okay to take Jesus in the Eucharist and, and tincture the host into a chalice because he can't pass the cup because of COVID? If uh, it is, if there, everybody else is doing it. Because again, as I've said, a million times when you receive the precious body you also receive the precious blood if you receive the precious blood you also receive the precious body it's just more symbolic if you have both but to have through intinction priests have to do that we didn't do it here but in our diocese we still do everything through intinction uh again for the reality of not passing germs or different things um because the priest must receive uh, both the body and blood for the mass to be valid. But for everybody else, because it's the same, you know, Trent dealt with this a long time ago. When you receive his body, you receive his body and blood. When we receive his blood, you receive his uh, body because it's just one Christ. Again, it's not like a dead piece of Jesus. It's Jesus in the Eucharist resurrected. So it's the whole Jesus. It's the fullness of God and his divinity, whichever one, uh, whichever way you receive him. But again, it isn't just the Eucharist. It's Jesus, 100% completely. So you don't get more of Jesus if you receive, again, if you can't receive, because uh, you have a wheat allergy and you cannot receive the host there's no issue. You can receive 
the blood and receive both Jesus completely, fully, body and blood. So again, as long as you keep in mind, I'm encountering the fullness of God, the fullness of the Trinity, the person of Jesus, fully, completely, and I'm becoming one with him. Then you don't have to be focused on just the species, but the person. As long as you're focused on the person, it'll always be, it doesn't matter which you receive. Okay? So, Father Larry, what should you do when your heart feels cold? Still praying, going to mass, confession, adoration, not experiencing God's consolation, God's present, Holy Spirit, fire. Well, you're just like Mother Teresa, Calcutta then. For, you just keep on going, huh? For Mother Teresa, for 50 years, she felt nothing. Except for five weeks, she had consolation. When you go to pray and uh, you feel great, that's God's gift to you. When you go to pray and you feel nothing, that's your gift to God. And so you just persevere. God will give you the consolation you need. But, you know, again, as Paul says, when we're young spiritually, he gives us milk. But as we grow, we're going to be on that. So you still got to be faithful. huh? So, again, if I'm on the road and I can't do my holy hour till late at night and I'm with the Lord and I'm praying and I fall asleep. I'm still with the Lord. I don't have to feel anything. But people that really, uh, like this kid I was talking about earlier, the high school kid, he needs an experience of Jesus. So the Lord will give him that experience. And you can, if you've never had that, the Lord will give it to you. That's why he gave to Mother Teresa five weeks of great consolation. That five weeks uh, got her through 50 years because she knew Jesus was real. And uh, that's the whole thing. So just keep persevering. And say, Jesus, though I feel nothing, I love you and I just want to be here with you. And sometimes if you really feel you need the consolation, I just go back to scriptures. huh? I have been feeling my own self in my life, a little desolation, much better than I was. I was literally depressed after my mother died and my sister died and I got the stuff. I just thought, Lord, what can you be doing to me? It's driving me all crazy. And... Um, so again, I'm always going to scriptures every day, huh? And so this morning, uh, when I went to scriptures, he took me to Ezekiel chapter 36 and in ex uh, uh, verse 25 and following. And the next chapter in 37, it all fits into where uh, I needed to go. And he says to me and to all of us, of course, but he gave it to me this morning. I will sprinkle clean water upon you to cleanse you from all your impurities. And all your idols, I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart. I will give you a new heart and place a new spirit within you, taking from your body your stony heart and giving you a natural heart. I will put my spirit within you and make you live by my statute, statutes careful to observe my decrees. And then if you go to chapter 37, he talks about the dry bones, huh? And uh, he talks to Ezekiel and he, you know, the story about how God, then he said, son of man, these are the bones. He sees all these dead bones and they're all dry and they're dead, dead, dead. You get the point? Dead, dead, dead. And what does God do? He says to Ezekiel, son of man, these bones are a whole house of Israel. You've been saying our bones are dried up, our hope is lost and we're cut off. 
Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, O my people, I will open your graves and have you rise from them and bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am open when I open your graves and have you rise from them. So what happens is in verse seven, a couple of verses earlier, I prophesied as I have been told. And as I was prophesying, I heard a noise and it was the rattling of the bones that came together bone joining bone. I saw the sinews of the flesh come upon them and the skin cover them and there was no spirit in them. And he said, prophesy to the spirit, prophesy son of man and say to the spirit from the four winds, O spirit and breathe unto these slain that they may come to life. I prophesied that he told me and the spirit came into them and they came alive and stood aright. So God has the power to, to give us new hearts and give us new beginnings and give us a new spirit. So again, go to the scriptures and there God can reach into your heart. And like this morning, he just gave me such hope um, because we all get dry and he knows that if I'm going to uh, proclaim him, I got to make sure that it's not coming out of dryness, but it's coming out of the Holy Spirit. So it's not me. It's uh, his spirit inside of me because my spirit can be selfish. My spirit can be uh, just about me and his spirit becomes about him and about others. And so it's that constant renewal uh, so we can bring others to him. And I think that that's part of it too. If, if we're not looking just for ourselves for consolation or looking for ourselves to an experience and we're looking to bring things to others then, uh, or be an instrument of grace to others, then great things can happen because now we're doing it not for us, but for others. And the grace of God loves when we are selfless and um, he'll pour himself into us so that we can pour ourselves into others. Great reality. Okay. So, Harry, in my car are two missiles, English and French, a child's catechism in French, an Anglican book of common prayer stuck somewhere. It is good to open any of them and read thoughtfully the prayers. It is. But it's also even more to let them be the, the uh, springboard for you to start saying, go deeper in your own prayer. So you can, like, I love to go back to uh, Charles de Foucault, his prayer of abandonment, uh, where I just, you know, we just surrender ourselves, uh, surrender ourselves, and God fills us with himself. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But he fills us with himself so we can pour out of ourselves to others. Again, like... To be a person of mercy, we're always asking for mercy. But if you want truly the mercy of God, you about you have to ask to be an instrument of mercy for somebody else. So you have to put your hand while Christ is dying on the cross and insert your hand into his heart as the blood and water flow out and it comes to you. But if it ends at you, you're like the Dead Sea and you die and mercy dies inside of you. You need to take out your other hand and reach it out. And bring that mercy to others. And as God's mercy goes through you to the other people you're reaching out to, you become an instrument of that mercy, but you become a vessel of that mercy. You become where the mercy dwells also. 
So that's one of the keys if you're struggling to reach out to others, become more concerned about others, to make sure you're doing some kind of selfless ministry. And God can then use you and fill you with himself so you can fill others. I just got a, a text from one of my pagan kids who I haven't seen. He's supposed to be at my parish. I haven't seen him in, in like six months. But anyway, I'll get him after this. But very good. I always seem to open a book at a prayer that fits that's going into my life. Hello, Father. Hello, NT. Okay. So I see there's uh, no more questions than that here. Um, pray for me. Uh, pray for the people I'm speaking to tonight. I ended up, When I woke up this morning, I ended up with a cold. I've been, I just took some uh, pills. I'm thinking, really, after everything else, now I got a cold. Uh, but it's all fine. And so... Uh, so if you would uh, pray for me, pray for the people, pray for safe travel tomorrow to Philadelphia and pray for the people I'll be speaking to in New Jersey. And, um, and then I fly out again back to Pittsburgh and then on I get in Pittsburgh 530 or 630 Saturday. Then I have to drive two hours up to Erie uh, to be back at my parish. So pray for God's presence and uh, travel. Um, and it keeps me awake and does all the things I need to do uh, so I can get back to my parish on Saturday night uh, so I can be there with my people on Sunday. Know that I'm praying for you every day, that I love you, and I just ask you to continue to pray for me. Okay? The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless, keep, and protect you. He was Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. I love you. See you later.